I'm Corey. This is the official tapes. We're going to be talking with Kieran O'Leonard. He's an Olympic athlete. He moved on to working with Nike, which was handy because it was great to talk with him a little bit about the new Nike Grateful Dead collab, which was released. Also wanted to learn a little bit more about his Not Dead Yet tour. I'm born and raised in a dairy farm in, in Cork in Ireland and I was lucky enough to get a track scholarship to come to the United States I'm in 2006 and ran at Florida State University in Tallahassee and um, had some success at the collegiate level. By my senior year, was ran fast enough to qualify for the Olympic Games, which were the following year. This was 2011 um, and I signed with Nike and I moved to Portland, Oregon. From there, yeah, I ran for Nike professionally for five years, made a world championship final medal at the European level. I'm a mile runner, I was saying 1500 meters, but for Americans it's the mile. I'm a 352 miler and um, spent a lot of time in Eugene training and that was where my first exposure to the dead was. Um, and honestly, it was it was just by meeting people. I, I'd always wanted to branch outside of track and field, which can be really insular at times, and, and just meet people that were into other things. And I oddly kind of found that the people I built commonalities with I respected things they did or how they conducted themselves. Also had a passion for this, this jam band, right? I'm just like, what's going on here and what's this all about? And, you know, obviously did some digging and started some listening and, um, yeah, had some exposure, but it's been an interesting journey. You know, it's, it's been a fun ride. Running's taking me all over the world and it's given me an opportunity to build a life here in the U.S. and I, I feel really grateful for that. In 2011, coming out of college, I, I made a world championship final and, and placed 10th, which at the time was a, a really, really good result. And then I think my 352 mile PR, which is, I think, it ranks fairly high up there in terms on the all-time list in the indoor mile. I think it's definitely top 20, maybe top 15. So that's a pretty big one. Um, but I've had some disappointments too. I, I went into the Olympics in 2012 with pretty high aspirations and picked up a Achilles injury a couple of weeks before. and didn't run to the level that I wanted to in 2012 and eventually I had a pretty invasive surgery in 2015. When I retired I, I switched over to the corporate side and was working in uh, in footwear product management so um, overseeing a line of footwear um, for the Jordan brand. I have a huge passion for sneakers and it was a super fun role. I mean the Grateful Dead collab that's coming out. I'm, I'm not involved in that directly but I think working with entertainers, working with personalities to craft stories around footwear is super interesting because you really get to dive into that persona and that and that story and, and try and bring it to life. In product management, it was really crucial to make sure you understood the story. You understood the story correctly. I'll give you an example. Like if you're doing a, a shoe that marks a special occasion, you know, it could be an event that's tied to the culture of another country. You have to spend time in that country and you have to speak to people in that country and in that culture and make sure that culture feels like it's of the people, for the people, not just a brand coming in and saying, hey, this is our take on your story. And I think, especially with the dead, right? It's like, I haven't looked at the pack close enough to really gauge, and I honestly, I, I would leave it up to longer and dedicated fans of the dead to really judge, I think, the authenticity of that pack. But you have to write, write the story, and you have to be truly authentic, and you have to listen. I think the biggest thing is listening and not and coming in with an open mind and saying, okay, we're going to just absorb this and do it the right way. And then I think do it in a way where it doesn't feel like it's it's for profit, more giving exposure to to a culture, a way of life, an amazing artist, whatever it might be, and doing it in a way for people. And, and that's, I think, the way to go about it. It can be a fine line, you know? Like, you can get it right or you can, you can get it pretty wrong. 
But I think from what I've seen so far, I feel like they did a good job this one. I found music through running. I was never a musical person growing up. I was pushed into sports at a really young age, keeping me out of trouble, I think. And and uh, I never played a musical instrument, but I found through running this connection to music and this connection to stories being told through music. When I listened to music while running, I would never listen to like a Spotify playlist. Like I thought that was kind of idiotic of like a list of random songs you would listen to. But I loved listening to tapes of live shows. So it could be like a house music set or it could be you know, a tape of the dead playing a show um, here or there. And the, the story arc would match the story arc of a run, you know, a 10-mile run, which is in and of itself, I think, an experience, right? And I ended up going to Burning Man. You know, I, I wanted to go for a long time, and I, and I think tied all that together for me because it gave running, it showed running to me in a different light. I, I didn't do the full ultramarathon. It was a 50-miler, but my friend who brought me to Burning Man had been there the previous year for his first time, had wanted to do the 50-miler, and I said... I'll wake up. It starts at five in the morning. And I, I mean, I don't know if I even woke up. I think I just didn't sleep. Uh, and it, it was, I'd put my body through hell in, in various ways the probably the previous 12 hours, but got seven miles done with him of his 50 miler and the sun rising over the playa and all these art cars still blasting music and, and people are biking around and doing this or that and, and being crazy and yet here we were being the craziest just running around as, as the sun's coming up and like what the hell are these guys doing you know and it was really funny there was there was an irish guy in the lead pack of the race i didn't know this but he was, he was in his in his mid-40s and and he had run ultramarathons all over the world had never been to burning man but had wanted to do this burning man ultramarathon and i have the olympic rings tattooed on my back left shoulder I'm at Burning Man with a group of non-running friends. They don't know what I did in running. They don't care what I did in running. And that's awesome. You know, that's, they're all oblivious and that's cool. But this guy taps me on the shoulder as I'm running around. He goes, are, are you Kirana Leonard? Uh, and I was kind of like taken back. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I know who you are. Like I've, I've watched you race, you know? And this is like at Burning Man at 530 in the morning on the playa. And it was just this, this kind of surreal connection of all these, I don't know, these different experiences I've had showed me the power of running and I guess the power of community that in the, even in this obscure place, you need a common ground and a, you know, another soldier appreciates it. So. Burning Man's quite powerful, you know. I mean, I've done it three years in a row and as much as people say it's become commercial, I mean, there is an element to it where you are facing the elements and you are in your own mind a lot and you do spend a lot of time thinking out there and I at least emerged with a very the stronger sense of who I was. And I think when I retired in 2016, 2015, 2016, after the surgery, I was really disillusioned and jaded with running. And I was determined to kind of prove to people, oh, I'm not just a runner, you know, I'm not just a runner. I, I can go do something else. I can go do something else. And I think that the epiphany I had the first Burning Man was that it's okay to be a runner. And in fact, it's really great to be a runner. Um, I think that was the first time that I regained an appreciation for the activity of running and its power. Because I think it is super meditative. I was like, man, I need to switch things up here. I was sitting in Portland, and I remember it was, I woke up super hungover. Um, I just drank a bunch of beers the previous night. It was like a Tuesday. And then they hold out on the calendar, and I was like, I was like, oh boy. It was gray out, you know, it was April 2nd. It, it had been gray for some time in Portland, and I was like, man, I need to switch things up here. When I was running, my agent and manager, um, Stephen Haas, lives in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is, is a high-altitude training base for a lot of athletes. So he has a house here. And athletes who, who he's represented by from various brands will come and, and train in Flagstaff. And he also coaches a group of athletes here. I shot him a call and I just said, hey, I think 
and I knew Flagstaff would be sunny. You know, I was like, I knew Arizona would be sunny. And I said, hey, I think I want to come to Flagstaff and just start running a little bit, you know, just to break things up. And obviously, like, at this point, everyone's working remote, everyone's working from home, you know, people are locked down in Portland. So I'm like, let's just go. And he said, oh, yeah, sure. When do you want to come? And I was like, today. <laughs> and I, that was at noon. And I, I caught a flight. I think it was like a 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. flight that evening. I mean, flights were super cheap at the time. No one was flying. The airport was deserted. And I came with a bag and I haven't gone back. Kind of a spur of the moment decision. But I think leading up to it was just these one Portland winter pandemic, the lockdown, lots of bad habits. And then I think facing the possibility that all of that was going to continue some time. I just wanted to break it up a little bit. And I was really fortunate, Stephen. Hask was having four years removed from representing me on the other end of the, the line to take a chance and be like, yeah, just come up here, why not? Well, my first run, I think I ran five miles and I think I ran like eight minute pace, you know, something like 7.30 or eight minute pace. I mean, which would be like a, a really, really slow recovery run for me. I was hanging on for dear life and, and Hass is retired, you know, Stephen, he was an ex-pro runner, but he's been retired for a lot of years, for many years, I think probably eight, nine, 10 years. And he just represents athletes now, but he was kicking my ass in that run, you know, like I was hanging on for dear life, but I think it took about two weeks and two weeks in, I started feeling pretty good. Like I, I went straight in, I ran 70 miles my first week. You know, I was like, oh, let's go run. I'm in the mountains. Like I have time and I live off a dirt road, you know, I live, I live outside of town off this dirt road and I run out and back, you know, I run out and back and, um, and I just, I really started, I really enjoyed it. I run out in the evening as the sun was setting and as I was running back, the sun was just setting over the mountain and I found it so meditative. I never, I'm, I would never used to be a spiritual person or I never used to be like someone who was into mindfulness or meditation, but I started to focus my eyes every night on this mountain and slowly but surely I would start running longer and longer, you know, further out on the road each, each day and didn't wear a watch a lot of the time was just running and it was running pretty free. And I think started to find the love again, like the love for it. When again, back in pro running days, it was, it was timed. It was, everything was kind of on a schedule. Everything was this, this split, that split. You know, anyone who's listening to you will know if they're runners, they're, they might check your GPS watch. I still don't wear a GPS watch now. I just, I just go run and I think it's freeing, you know, I think it's the best way to do it. Then I started jumping into like a couple of like working out with the pro team that's here, the, the women on the team. And I would kind of tag along into the back of their workouts and hang in there. And this was early on, you know, like two, maybe three, three weeks into being in Flagstaff. And I think I graduated the back of the guys group. But I think there was one day where I just, I kind of let rip, you know, in a workout. And I think that day, I, I think Hass looked at me and he said, yeah, I think you might have something here. Like the, the talent has not gone. And I think at the beginning, it wasn't even to me, he said it. He had talked to a work colleague of his who, who also works in the agency. And he said, oh, I was talking about you being up here running. And I said, uh, what did you say or whatever? And he said, yeah, I, I told him the talent hasn't gone away. I, I don't know if that was intentional on his part, but I think it set something off in my mind to say, yeah, maybe the talent hasn't, hasn't gone away body's a little more old beat and maybe beat up but uh yeah i think there's something here and and then i just i started to just get a lot of messages i think i, I was i put some stuff up on social media and i started getting some people in ireland were super you know positive and people at nike were really positive on hey like would you, would you want to do this and i honestly don't know if i have the courage to have gone back if i didn't get a you know like i got a lot of messages of support it's easy to say like oh yeah i i was gung-ho on this and i knew i was going to do it and i really didn't you know 
like I, I definitely feel like there's been a you know a lot of positivity from the running community say around like hey man this would be amazing if you did this do you think you could do it and it's allowed me to ask the question and the best way to ask the question is not to verbally ask yourself the question or ask it in your mind it's to ask it through going out and trying it you know you'll find out the answers very quickly <laughs> Now that I'm locked in, it's like, hey, we're going to make a run at this Olympic thing again. You know, there are days, Tuesday, Friday, I get on the track or I do a specific tempo run. A tempo run would be six to eight miles at like 5.10 to 5.20 pace or something like that. And then, you know, on the track, you're doing repeats of 400, 600, 800 meters preparing for a mile race, you know, at race pace. And those are, you know, Hass is on the, he's on the watch. He's timing it. I'm paying attention to splits. But for sure, I think the other days, I just go run. And, and I don't count my mileage really. I, I know that it adds up to around about 90 miles a week, give or take, you know, five. But I take it as it comes. And I think, again, as someone who's been through a lot of injuries, you listen to your body, like your body will tell you what it needs. It's similar to food, you know. I mean, I'm always a big believer. A lot of athletes ask me about food. Oh, do you have a diet? And I was like, your body will tell you what it wants. If you listen to your body, your body will tell you what it wants. But I'm a firm believer in that. Like, you might tell yourself you want something, but at the end of the day, I think, you know what you want. And so that's been a really good body check, you know, because a lot of people, again, I'm still getting the questions from the media in Ireland. Hey, how's the injury? How's the injury coming back? How's the Achilles? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm like, oh, are you doing like a special routine? Are you doing now? I do some rehab. Like I do work on like biomechanic stuff. I do, but there's no big unlock. It's been simply like, instead of going into weeks saying, I got to hit 80 miles this week, I'm going into the week and saying, all right, let's go run. And I end up running quite a bit doing that, you know? just being free. And I think that that's a positive sign. If I ended up saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to just go run free and I end up running 10 miles that week, it's probably not very good. <laughs> right now, I think we're focused on getting really fit and then finding an opportunity to race. For me, building from nothing, you know, I'm working with Tass here and, and we're building from the ground up. It's not really been done before to take four years off. So we're trying to figure out how to lay like a foundation to this pandemic of training. Right now, focusing on a lot of longer endurance stuff. And then getting more specific as we get closer to racing and probably targeting something around the January timeframe to get to hit a fast time. But they'll take 45 people in the event to the Olympics and 45 people won't get the qualifying time. So there'll be a descending order list back to about, I think, like a 352, 353 mile equivalent. It's three per country, but Ireland probably won't have three guys. Like we just don't have that many guys. There are some actually good, good 500 meter runners in Ireland right now, but I don't think we won't have to have a trial race is what I mean. Like there won't be more than three guys at the time. So the goal is to go out and run that kind of 352, find somewhere to run it. And then you run fast enough and you're in basically. And if more than three get the time, then I got to get the time and I got to go to Irish championships next year. And I got to make sure I'm in the top three. I, I think if there was races on right now, I'd be really tempted to just be like, okay, I'm going to go do a bunch of race pace work so I can go run a sub four minute mile like next week in Nashville or LA or whatever, but these races aren't on. So it for, again, it forces me to go build this foundation that I need. And that's, I think the crucial component as I come back to training and then, and then we'll start to sharpen the knife with speed work kind of in that November, December time frame. And yeah, just, just look for an opportunity. Um, hopefully there'll be one in the U S I, I ideally, there's a really fast track in Boston, Boston university have a really fast indoor track. So probably look at doing something there. It's pretty simple. You gotta run, go run the 352 mile, 353 mile. When I started listening to that, 
I started thinking about the lifestyle of touring and traveling around, having these experiences, building this community, and how it was linked to the sport of track and field and how I kind of felt rambling around from small town to small town in Europe. I thought like, hey, what if in this comeback, we made it like a tour? And a buddy of mine had said to me, we were on a run, and he said, you know, something in a run, like, you're not dead yet, or what if we did like a tour poster? in the vibe of a Grateful Dead tour poster and pointing towards Tokyo, but had my Bengal kitten in there and had kind of a psychedelic tone to it and just had some fun with it. Because I think coming back, like I think the idea of a runner that's, that enjoys some of the interests that I have is not maybe necessarily part of the stereotype you might already have for running. So it's just a way to have fun with it, I think, and, and show like runners are more than just robots. We're just people and we're out here having fun just like anybody else. And Erica did an amazing job. She's a graphic designer in Portland and super talented. And uh, she actually gave me that poster as my birthday present. And this is still pretty early on. I was like, oh, I really do have to come back now, I guess. That's part of what's motivating me to, uh, to make this comeback here in, in 2020 um, as the Olympics are delayed to 2021. I do feel that, you know, my last race before I retired, I did not finish. I ran in Portland, which was a time my home. It's Portland Track Festival. I went through the 800 meters of the 1500 dropped out because I knew my body wasn't really cooperating, walked off the track and was done. And I'm like, is that how I really want to go out? You know, is that how I want to go out? And so I want to go out on a positive tone and I wanted to have a couple of more fun experiences in the track. Like the track is pretty raw. Like, you know, you line up with 12 other guys, 11 other guys in the 1500 meters. You'll know after three and a half minutes, it lays you bare, win or lose. And the nerves and I think the tactics in the 1500, like, the 1500 is quite tactical, like the, the end is usually quicker than the beginning, so it's quite tactical and I, I love that chess game part of it. So to come back and be able to experience some of that, I think the rough and tumble of being in racing again, competing, and then to maybe go back you know, and, and to put that Irish jersey on one more time and represent my country and hopefully get to Olympic Games if they happen with this pandemic and do something there. And then I can say, man, that was something special. That's ideal state. Um, I think regardless of this comeback, like, I mean, I maybe just want to also inspire people who maybe want to do something and maybe feel like they can. And I think the pandemic has also really shown me that. Like, you only have one life. You only have one family. You only have one group of amazing friends. Like, go do something cool. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me, you know, kind of saying, man, you know, I've decided to go do this because, you know, I kind of saw you're just having so much fun with running. And not to say that I'm some, like, beacon, you know, whatever, of inspiration, but I think to be able to show like, hey, go do it and have fun with it. You're only gonna have one life. That in itself would be a success too. That's been the journey and who knows what, what the destination is, you know? But I think the journey in some ways is the fun part. And I think in this lockdown world too, in the absence of races, I think I find that a lot of runners, the story feels a little bit relatable maybe, or at least a lot of people are bought into watching it or kind of spectating, being spectator to a journey like this. At least it feels that way. And so if I can inspire some people to get out and run, and you know, I think if I look back on 2020, I'll have drank less beers than I would have otherwise, that's for sure. <laughs> and I've lived a slightly healthier lifestyle, so that'll be a win in and of itself. So yeah, the Not Dead Yet Tour, it should be fun. And hey, it was it was great chatting, man. I, um, I love the energy. And I'm um, Gokiran, so G-O-C-I-A-R-A-N on Instagram. I'm, I guess you can follow the journey, um, follow the journey there. And um, yeah, I mean, look, it's a crazy time. I mean. It, you know, in the U.S. right now, how this whole pandemic's being handled, I mean, a bit of a nightmare, you know? So, I, I mean, I, I just I just hope things things get a little better. And in the meantime, I hope people are being good to themselves. Um, 
and good to each other. Like I said, in, independent of Olympics or anything else, like I know at least for me, like I think back in April, like things could have turned, things could have gone one way or the other. Like I could have really embraced the the boozing lifestyle through pandemic and dug myself into a bit of a hole probably and was lucky that I had you know, people around me to, to check in with and live a little bit of a healthier lifestyle and chase a goal and try and be good to yourself and invest in yourself and chase a goal and I definitely think some good can come with this and it's, cliches are cliches for a reason but I imagine there's got to be a silver lining for this cloud somewhere yeah